Ramage narrowed his eyes in concentration. Yes, the Calypso would hit the French ship exactly where... No damnation, she passed too far ahead. He blinked, and then blinked again. Much too far ahead. What on earth was happening? The men at the wheel hadn't moved at a spoke, and a quick glance at the luffs of the sails showed the wind hadn't changed. Nevertheless, the Calypso was now going to pass too far ahead of the Frenchman. Suddenly he realized that the gap between the French ship's masts was widening. Damn, damn, she was altering course. She was turning to larboard. Her captain must have guessed what Ramage intended doing, and he was turning violently to avoid a collision. And there was no way Ramage could get the Calypso to... no, three points to windward. Nor was there time to tack across the Frenchman's bow. Instead, he would receive her full starboard broadside in a matter of moments. Just then, the first of the Calypso's guns fired as the Frenchman began to swing past the starboard side. But the Frenchman did not fire back. Why? Ramage realized that she would have been manning her larboard side guns. The sudden swing round was made before guns crews could run across the ship to the other side. He turned to keep her in view and out of the corner of his eye he saw the second ship much closer than he expected. She was staying on the same course as before, but the first ship was heading straight for her. Had the first ship's captain not realized the danger? They were trimming her yards as if she was the only ship at sea, and as she came round onto a broad reach, all her sails bulging under the weight of the wind, she increased speed. This was her fastest point of sailing. She was now on almost an opposite course to the Calypso and heading straight for her consort. Ramage gave a gasp. A collision was inevitable, and he gripped the capping on the rail at the forward end of the quarterdeck. As he watched, the first ship's sails began to flutter as men let fly the sheets and braces in what was obviously a desperate last-minute attempt to get the way off the ship. But by now, as the sound of the slatting canvas carried across to the frigate, the two ships were only twenty yards apart. Already Ramage could see that the jib-boom and bowsprit that he had been aiming for was now pointing at the main shrouds of the second ship, and in a few moments would catch them as though the ship was a lancer lunging at a passing bush. Southwick's exclamation of, Ye gods! was overlaid with Aitkin's awestruck, Will ye no look at that? Then the ship crashed into her consort. Jib-boom and bowsprit smashed through the main shrouds and brought the mainmast toppling down, the topmast and t'gallant tumbling as though hinged. The foremast of the first ship tumbled forward as though the effort of staying upright was too much for it, and crashed down onto the deck of the second ship. The impact brought the two ships alongside each other, and their remaining yards locked. For a moment or two the first ship's mainmast swayed, and then... With no stay supporting it forward and with her consort's yards tugging on the larboard side, it toppled slowly and gracefully, leaving the ship, now bereft of two masts, looking strangely naked. Ramage, hardly able to believe what he had seen, fought down an urge to giggle. Expecting any moment to be killed and then seeing the anticipated killer suddenly reduced to helplessness was a new experience which left him weak with relief. I'll trouble you to bear away a point, Mr. Aiken. 
he said in a voice which sounded oddly strangled. Aye, aye, sir, Aitken said, his Scots accent thicker than Ramage had ever heard it before. He watched the first lieutenant bring the speaking trumpet to his lips after snapping an order to the men at the wheel.